At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we step into the new year, we're turning to the book of James for our message series, Live the Truth. In a culture preaching the power of whatever feels right to you, it's time to set aside positive vibes for a truth you can stand on. Join us as we answer James' call to reject the latest feel-good message for a mature faith. Um, Well, let's continue to worship as we open the book of James, chapter 2 is where we are, the first 13 verses. Um, And we have looked at several practical issues. Um, James has led us in these um, as it relates to trials, as it relates to our possessions, as it relates to our need for wisdom in the complexing circumstances of life. Um, Now in James, chapter 2, he's going to continue to remain quite practical Um, and address several issues related to our posture towards the poor um, as a reflection of our faith or a reflection of our lack of faith, one or the other. And I'm going to read for us from uh, what's called the New Living Translation. I'm doing this because this Sunday is also Family Worship Sunday, the fifth Sunday of the month, um, in which we welcome our first through fifth graders here. Um, They will be here next service, Lord willing, because um, that's when we have kids, mini- kids ministry. Our first through fifth graders are going to be here. So I'm reading from the New Living Translation because it's a little more readable than the ESV or the KJV. Um, but it's nevertheless translated by Greek experts. So it's not like this is just some dude who said, hey, I think it'd be cool to write a translation of the Bible. And these are legit scholars. They're just trying to translate it a little more readable into modern English. Uh, but this is James chapter 2. Verses 1 through 13, brothers and sisters, hear the words of our God. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry And another person comes into your meeting who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't the poor the ones who will inherit the kingdom God promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. 
So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Two years ago next month marks the anniversary of our global quarantine because of the coronavirus. And while this situation was difficult and sad for many reasons, it also came with some perks. One of the happy coincidences of all of us being shut inside with a lot of time on our hands was that just a few months earlier in November of 2019, a new streaming service launched called Disney Plus. And for just a few dollars a month, you could have instant access to every Disney movie ever. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to introduce my children to these great classic films, and I am going to get the chance to experience the nostalgic joy of watching these movies and singing these songs. We watched The Little Mermaid, we watched Ratatouille, and we also watched The Beauty and the Beast. The Beauty and the Beast. And it's the opening scene of that movie that I want to reflect with you on for just a moment as we get into our scripture passage this morning. If you recall, there's an opening monologue that starts the movie, and the speaker sort of sets the stage and gives the origin story for how the beast became the beast. And here's what he says. Once upon a time, in a faraway land, a young prince lived in a shining castle. And although the prince had everything his heart desired, he was spoiled, selfish, and unkind. But then one winter's night, an old beggar woman came to the castle and offered the prince a single rose in return for shelter from the bitter cold. But repulsed by the old lady's ugly appearance, the prince sneered at the gift and turned the old woman away. The old lady then warned the prince not to be deceived by appearances, for beauty is found within. And when the prince dismissed her again, the old woman's ugliness melted away to reveal a beautiful enchantress. So the prince tried to apologize, but it was too late, for she had seen that there was no love in his heart, and as punishment the enchantress transformed the prince into a hideous beast and a powerful spell was cast on the castle and all who lived there. And so begins this wonderful tale of singing candles and talking teapots and the gloriously obnoxious Gaston. But even though there are all these fun elements to the story, at the heart of the story is the truth that we as humans have a tendency to judge people by their appearances. We are prone to measure a person's worth by what we can see of them, their looks. 
If they look good, they must be good, we think. And if they look bad, they must be bad. If they look good, then they're worthy of our admiration and attention and service. If they look bad, then we don't want anything to do with them. Like the prince who sneered at the sight of the old woman and turned her away. The old lady looked bad, so the prince treated her bad. And the author of the story, whose French name I'm not even going to try to pronounce, she is trying to help us look at our own hearts to see that we all tend to judge people by their appearances. And friends, this is the exact issue James is addressing in our scripture passage today. Listen again to what he says in verse 1. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, how, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? James says these two things are contradictory. Having faith in Jesus and favoring some people over others. And the word being translated here as favoring some people would literally be translated receiving the face of a person because it relates to favoring somebody on the basis of their face because of how they appear, because of what they look like. James says, how can you have faith in Jesus and yet favor some people over others based on their appearances? Answer, you can't. To have faith in Jesus and judge people by their appearance is a contradiction. Because think of it. If you judged Jesus on the basis of his appearances, then he wouldn't really measure up much. In Isaiah chapter 53, the prophet says about Jesus that, quote, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. In other words, Jesus was not much to look at. And if you judged Jesus by appearances, you're probably going to do what the prince did to that old lady. Sneer at him and turn away. So we know from Scripture that Jesus was financially poor. We know from Scripture that Jesus was from a no-name town in the middle of nowhere. We know from Scripture that Jesus died a criminal's death. So on the surface of it, by all appearances... Jesus was as worthy of rejection as the ugly old lady that stumbled up to that castle. So this is why James says, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in Jesus if you favor some people over others? If you judge by appearances. Faith in Jesus and judging people by appearances is a contradiction. Faith in Jesus and playing favorites is a contradiction. So church, James is calling us to show no favoritism. 
Show no favoritism to certain people because of the way they look, because of the way things appear on the outside. If you live like that, if you judge people on the basis of appearances, you would reject Jesus himself. Because as the prophet said, he wasn't much to look at, especially as he hung on the cross. Show no favoritism. And in the rest of the verses that we read, James gives us, or the next few verses that we read, I should say, James gives us an example of what favoritism very often looks like. Very often, favoritism is shown to those who are wealthy. And conversely, very often, discrimination is shown to those who are poor. So let's listen again to James' example of favoritism and judging by appearances. This is verses 2 and 4. He says, for example, suppose someone comes into your meeting and this someone is dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry. And then another person comes into your meeting dressed in dirty clothes and he's poor. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. If you do that, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? So this is very clear and very common example of favoritism, right? One person dressed fancy, the other person dressed dirty. One person has shiny jewelry and the other person has shabby rags. One person is obviously wealthy. The other person is obviously poor. I mean, obviously, just look at them, right? So what do you do? Well, you treat them according to their appearances. You tell the rich person, hey, come up here. You tell the poor person, hey, go over there. You tell the rich person, have this good seat. You tell the poor person, have the floor as a seat. I mean, his clothes are dirty. What's a little more dirt, right? You give special attention to the rich person. You show discrimination to the poor person. But James says, when you play favorites like that, quote, your judgments are evil. Translated literally, you are an evil judge. When you show favoritism, James says, you are putting yourself in the place of God because God is judge. God is the true judge. But when you show favoritism, you make yourself judge. And you know what kind of judges we are? Evil judges, James says. When we judge based on appearances, we judge based on how much money someone has or how they dress. When we judge on the basis of those things, we get it wrong. And our judgments are evil. Just as the prince turned beast found out, looks can be deceiving. And if you make judgments based on looks, it's an evil judgment. But that's his example of favoritism. Us playing favorites on the basis of someone's wealth. Us determining someone's value based on their financial value. James says, don't show favoritism like this. Playing favorites based on appearances cancels out your faith in Jesus. And in the rest of our verses this morning, James is going to bolster his charge by giving them three reasons not to show favoritism. Three reasons 
not to show favoritism. As, as if it's not clear enough already in what he's already said, he gives three reasons not to show favoritism. First up, he's going to say, favoritism is ungodly. Favoritism is ungodly. Look at the next verse, verse 5, and the first part of verse 6. He says, listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't the poor the ones who will inherit the kingdom God promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. So James says that God judges the poor to be rich, rich in faith. He says that God judges the poor to be worthy inheritors of the kingdom. And yet you, church, dishonor the poor. That's why I say favoritism is ungodly, because showing favoritism to the rich and discriminating against the poor is the exact opposite of what God does, according to what James says here. There's a powerful story in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 16. God is getting ready to establish the nation of Israel as a kingdom. And what do you need if you want a kingdom? Well, you need a king. And the prophet Samuel is God's chosen agent for choosing the new king. So God sends Samuel to the city of Bethlehem. He sends Samuel to the house of a man named Jesse. And Jesse, incredibly, had seven sons in the house. Samuel says, Hey, Jesse, God sent me here to choose from among your sons who the new king will be. So Jesse lines up his sons, and there was a couple of them who appeared really handsome and good-looking. God tells Samuel, it's not him. And there were some others of Jesse's son who looked really big and strong. God tells Samuel, it's not them. Finally, Samuel gets through going down the lineup of each one of these sons, and he says, Jesse, do you have any more sons? Because God's telling me it's none of these guys. Jesse's like, yeah, I got one more. He's, he's out working the sheep. He's the youngest one. He's kind of ruddy. He's probably not your guy. He likes to write poetry, sort of weird. Samuel says, go get him. He's the one. And so was chosen King David. And while this whole process is going on, God speaks this word to Samuel. This is 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. This is one of the ones, one of those verses you might paint on the wall in your house or ink in your body on a tattoo. It's a good one. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. God says to Samuel as this process is going on, Do not look on his appearance, or on the height of his stature. Here's the good part. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. That's what God does. And James says, you want to be godly? Look past people's appearances. Look past people's external circumstances and look at their hearts like God does. Favoritism is ungodly behavior. 
So church, let's see people the way God sees people. Three reasons we are not to show favoritism. Favoritism is ungodly. And secondly, favoritism is foolish. Favoritism is foolish. Listen once more to verses six and seven. James has just talked about how we're prone to honor the rich and dishonor the poor. We honor the rich because they appear so impressive. But then in verse six, he asks, but isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't the rich the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? In other words, James says, that's foolish. You go out of your way to honor the rich. You go out of your way to show them special attention, but it's the rich who go out of their way to oppress you. It's the rich who go out of their way to slander the name of Christ. How foolish to honor your oppressor. Favoritism is foolish. So what James is talking about here is that rich people, especially in his day, but in our day as well, rich people are able to use their money to take advantage of people and get even more money. It's the rich get richer, poor get poorer sort of problem. So one of the ways this could happen is that rich people would sue poorer people, and guess who could hire the better lawyers? The rich people. So they, more often than not, would win the lawsuit and get the poor person's money. James says, why are you honoring these people who are taking advantage of you? Now, James is not saying here that every rich person is oppressively evil, but he is saying that very often wealthy and impressive people know that they are wealthy and impressive people and they will use the elevated way people think of them to take advantage of people. So James is saying, you want to honor the rich? You want to honor the powerful? Hello, they are playing you. They are using you. And sometimes they'll even give lip service to Jesus to make you feel better about it. But the truth is, they slander Jesus Christ whose noble name you bear. They slander the name of Christ, and you are a Christian, and yet you honor these people? Favoritism is foolish. Favoritism is ungodly. Favoritism is foolish. Finally, James tells us, show no favoritism, because favoritism is lawless. Favoritism is lawless. Look finally at verses 8 and 9. For time's sake, we won't be able to look at all of the rest of our verses more closely, but verses 8 and 9 are clear enough. Here they are again. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. So James here just makes the obvious point that it is good when we obey God's law, God's royal law, the teachings of King Jesus. It's good when you obey the law, especially the law of love. The law to love your neighbor as yourself. James says it's good when you obey that law. But, verse 9, if you favor some people over others, if you favor rich people over poor people, if you favor powerful people over unimportant people, if you favor popular people over common people, then you are committing a sin. You are guilty 
of breaking God's law. James says favoritism is lawless. And in the following verses, James makes clear that we will be held accountable for breaking God's law like this. There's kind of an ironic twist. He says we will be judged for playing the judge and judging others like this. Favoritism is lawless. It breaks God's law of love. And that's what happened to the prince in the beauty of the beast, isn't it? That's what happened to the prince. He judged the poor woman as unworthy of his favor. He laughed at her. He sent her away. And then he was cursed. He was judged for his lawless favoritism. And he was turned into a beast. But as that story continues, it's a wonderful picture of what James will later say about how mercy triumphs over judgment. Because through narrative providence, the character of Belle is brought into the beastly prince's life and she eventually loves him. Belle does not judge the beast prince according to what he looks like, scary as his appearance was. Just ask my kids, they couldn't finish the movie. Scary as the prince looked, she did not judge him. No, she sincerely loved him despite his appearance. And it's her love for him that transforms her heart. And friends, that is exactly the kind of merciful love that you and I need to experience. Because of our sin, because of the ways we have shown favoritism, because of the ways we have failed to love, like the prince, we are cursed, forever cursed. But in Christ, we can experience bell-like merciful love. And as we experience God's love in Christ, our hearts, like the princes, are transformed from beastly to merciful, from being judgy to being gracious. And so I urge you, trust in the sacrificial, merciful love of Jesus, who gave up his life on the cross for ugly, cursed sinners like you and me. Receive the transforming love of Jesus and show no favoritism. I pray it would be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we have stared into the mirror of your word and seen our own hearts, seen our own actions for what they are. And Father, we thank you for the clarity and the power of your word to reveal us, to reveal our true state. But we're humbled, Father, as it calls out our sin, as it calls out flaws in our lives, in our thinking, in our acting, in our hearts. And so, Father, we seek your mercy. We ask for your forgiveness for ways that we have judged others on the basis of how they look, for the ways we've shown favoritism, for the ways we've shown partiality, 
because of someone's ethnic background, because of someone's economic status, because of someone's political views, because of whatever. External circumstances. Father, have mercy. But God, we thank you also for the ways that Jesus has loved the broken, the way that Jesus cared for the poor, because we are all ultimately poor. We are all ultimately broken. Father, we thank you for the way that he loved the world. And through this last song, Father, we celebrate that love. We rally around the cross and seek your grace through Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.